This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics and we promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Jenny K. Pollock, mobile app expert. Jenny, welcome back to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you so much for having me on the show again, Art. Business of Apps is one of my favorite podcasts. So I live and work here in Silicon Valley, and my superpower is driving monetization strategy for B2C software startups. I focus on scaling growth trajectories, providing business model expertise for mobile apps, and I am passionate about fostering diversity in the tech sector. I've served as a keynote speaker for the mobile growth industry this year. I spoke at App Promotion Summit here in San Francisco and at Mobile All Stars. I've also facilitated diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging workshops for Mobile Apps Unlimited, or MAU, Miss CEO, and Anita B. This is great, Jenny. Um, it's so awesome to have you back because the last time we spoke was November of last year, which actually really dovetails to what we're going to be covering this uh, this episode because the topic is something that actually happened late last November. So, generative pre-trained transformer, or better known to you as ChatGPT. The generative AI based on a large language model was launched by OpenAI on November 30th last year. So you might have heard about OpenAI's very recent turmoil with its CEO Sam Altman's firing and rehiring five days later. Of course, such a twist with a company of uh, worth $80 billion uh, grabbed your attention. Um, and speaking of money, how generative AI can help you to boost your app monetization strategy? That's a good question. And we have Jenny to help us figure it out. It's been a year since you were on the show. So what you've been up to lately, Jenny, tell us about yourself, um, your background and what you do right now. Yeah, great question, Art. So I have been working uh, you know, in the mobile app industry and doing a lot of speaking engagements. And it's been really fun to work within that ecosystem. But one of the other things I'm doing that I'm passionate about is helping women in the space. So working on getting more women on boards with an organization called How Women Lead. I've also been working uh, to mentor uh, women in tech through Wiggy, uh, Women in Games International, and uh, with the Anita B organization that puts on the Grace Hopper Conference. So it's been a really fun year of working with uh, different organizations to help lift women in tech up. Yeah, I really want to uh, shake your hand, Jenny, for what you do, not only for in tech professionally, uh, how part of your career, but what you do for other women to lift them up and help them in their careers and their career path. Um, it's um, like in every other field, um, tech industry is not easier for women, just like science, sport, um, art, etc. So it's really great. Um, let's uh, jump to the topic of our conversation today, which is generative AI and 
Christoph, I'd like to hear your take on it. Um, what excites you about it? What makes you scary? Because my personal take uh, was kind of nicely summarized, um, a bit unexpectedly for me, by Benedict Evans on his podcast recently. His take was great that, you know, um, years and years ago, I'm not sure like people can remember on this podcast what the period that we're talking about, but there was a time when Windows did not exist. It was a Microsoft DOS. And the way to interact with a computer was just typing in commands, right? So you want to copy file, you want you need to type a command. You want to create a folder, you type in command. Printing something, you have to type a command. So you have to know a bunch of commands to uh, make it right to just move through your workflow, right? Then Windows came in. We all so familiar with this interface: Windows buttons, uh, um, cursor, etc. So you're having a bunch of uh, buttons with functions and whatever you do with a computer on the computer is actually really nicely represented with a bunch of uh, bottom panels. Uh, but with the generative AI right now, we're kind of a back to square one to the MS-DOS uh, paradigm when you have to know the right commands to get the right result. You're the one you're expecting, right? And if you're really um, not specific, you want to outline something, Great, uh, generative AI is awesome for you to give you a summary, uh, give you a plan for something, or you want to know some, you know, Vicky style fact. Uh, you are very specific, and he he can be or it can be very specific in uh, in return. But with something in the middle, you want to do something really nicely, like in a, in a word spread, uh, like a word processing, sorry, a spreadsheet editor. This is not that you have to, um, it's not a replacement. This is just my take. What, what excites you and what makes you scared about generative AI? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, I'd like to agree with you, Art. The graphical user interface was a huge revolution in computing and the way that people actually interact with their machines. And at this point with generative AI, we are you know, exploring something that's new and different and it's learning and we're learning with it. So there's a lot of different pieces that come into this, but the piece that makes me excited is AI's power to drive business growth. Organizations and individuals can partner with the generative AI to create something better or faster or different. And that's the exciting piece. But the word partner is important, partner or collaborate. You can't just hand off your work to the AI and hope that it's going to do it right every single time, because I'm here to tell you it's not, it is not there yet. And you need to fact check the AI. And so that's something that's a little bit scary is if people are handing things over to the AI too much, they're not going to get the right answer. One of the things that I also find a little bit scary is how fast this technology is moving. Things like corporate government, corporate, me, things like corporate governance and legislation can be slow to catch up. Your board should be talking about AI strategy and AI policies. It's very important. I know some people are worried that AI is going to take their job, but at the end of the day, it's not there yet. 
you do need to partner with the AI. People who work with AI and get training on how to use generative AI are going to go further than those who don't. And so if you can work with it, experiment, play, AI will supercharge your efforts and you're going to be able to go further than you would without it. Yeah, I totally agree with Eugenia um, on the same page. It's a very um, influential tech. It's a real revolution, like uh, on par with what we were experiencing when the internet came in, but it was way slower back then. But then in terms of its, its impact, it's uh, huge. And as every new tech, uh, both sides, negative and positive, not entirely obvious at the beginning. People are finding more and more positive news all the uh, uses for the tech all the time. And those so-called externalities, the negative use will be popping up as well. And the legislation have to manage that second part. So, and it's great that, you know, we've kind of learned the lessons of social media. And this time the legislation part is taking place quicker than it was for social media that was lagging and still lagging. Absolutely. It's more or less like what you would expect when people are listening, taking notice as it's happening. So this is a good news. Yeah, the market value is so big that we can't ignore it. Companies are expected to pump nearly 100 billion into AI this year alone. And that figure is going to go to 2 trillion by 2030, according to a Corn Ferry study. And that amount of money does need some oversight. For sure. Now, as we speak, um, many apps have been taking AI on board. I guess my favorite example is the Notion app. Uh, I guess many of you are using this app to uh, you know, work on projects and uh, it's have the generative AI built in. Uh, you can work with it right in the app. No more copy pasting. It's become kind of a, your partner uh, for your projects. And uh, of course, the Microsoft isn't firing all cylinders to integrate uh, generative AI in every product and every uh, software solution they provide for business and not only business. Google is doing the same thing on this side. It's Bard or the latest iteration Gemini. It soon will be part of Google Docs, Gmail, etc. So what would you suggest uh, app developers and brands to check if AI is a good fit for their app? Great question. I think this is on the minds of a lot of folks that are developing or publishing apps right now. And the way that I look at it is at the end of the day, AI plus apps equals more money. But how should you do it? And there's two ways. There's one where the AI is actually in your app and it's part of your app. The other option is using it to power your work. So if you're using something like Notion, that can help you power your work and help you work faster or smarter or better. Whereas if you're Notion, if you're the publisher of that app, that is embedded in your app. And so I want to talk about each of these things. Looking at the in-app, there's some really cool examples of this. For example, Canva is allowing you to create images with their magic image generator built into their software. But they've also opened up, also included in their software, access to Dolly or Imagen. 
So they're letting you access other image generating tools through their app. I don't have the insights into how it works, but I assume they're paying for some API calls. So you have to make sure you calculate that into your cost. Another great example of this, one of my favorites actually, is Duolingo. They're using ChatGPT4 to power their features in some new subscriptions that they're offering. It's called Duolingo Max, and it's pretty expensive. It's $30 a month or $168 annually here in the U.S. And so when you're opening this up, you have to cover your costs of those API calls. Both of the features included in this subscription are really cool. Though. If I was learning a new language, I would absolutely go this route. One of them explains your answer. So whether you get it right or wrong, it'll help you understand why when you're going through and learning a new language. The other option is a role play situation where you can practice your real world conversation skills with characters powered by AI in the app. So it's really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Duolingo was a great app before generative AI, before ChatGPT, and now it's basically, um, I would say, got kind of a coach in the app, not a real person. You're not supposed to hire a bunch of uh, teachers uh, to provide the service like, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversation, which will require scheduling, uh, covering the cost of hiring these people. But you're actually getting the same results in terms of what are you providing to your um, app users, uh, that experience of learning in the interaction. Uh, and my my daughter actually has been trying this feature. It's really neat. It's... Um, <laughs> It feels like you're communicating with somebody else, the person on the other end. So it's a great use of generative AI to help people learn the language and understand all these small details, um, which usually would require a person to uh, explain it to you. Very cool. I love that she's trying it out. That's amazing. Yeah, I just love it. Um, now let's talk about money a the app monetization strategy so what generative ai can do for brands and app developers to generate more revenue with their apps yeah so one of the things that we can also get from looking at if you should include it is if it can power your work and this is where it folds into the app monetization strategy so basically at the end of the day anything that you do it can help you do it can supercharge those efforts. So if you make creatives, maybe you're doing advertisements, maybe you're um, you know, doing things in the app with a pop-up and you need an image, or maybe you're writing copy, whether that's copy that's actually built into your app or you're doing push notifications or other marketing things. And then of course, in-game assets. If you've got an app and you need a new icon, you can actually use AI to help create some of these things. So when I look at this, I have a four-part framework that I use to think about how can generative AI help me make more money? It's create, generate, automate, and measure. And those are the four steps that if you apply that to any piece of your work cycle, that's how you can help get things done faster and make more money. So if you take a minute and think about your normal workflow, 
What in-app promotional copy do you write? What creative assets do you make? What things do you need to work with your design team on in terms of icons and assets that are actually live in your app? If you do any of these things, AI can help you and you can publish more content faster. It can speed up time to production. For example, if you look at the world of gaming apps, I envision AI helping us have more new game titles quicker and more DLCs. I want that new downloadable content. I want a new level. I want a holiday themed level. So I think there is definitely a space here to use it to monetize. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for the text creative production side, I would just add that the most need, um, as I see feature for gender AI usage uh, to write a new text is that it can actually switch between styles. Even we're, we're talking about the native speakers, you're creating an app in your own language, but it doesn't necessarily mean you know different styles of conveying your message uh, for the app, for the creatives, uh, because we're not... <laughs> Not of us, all of us are writers. You can be a great coder or a great designer. Sure thing, you can write the text creatives in one style, but switching between styles, taking all these small uh, those shadows of uh, meaning, uh, let alone translating to another language, which, to be honest, Journey Device is doing a better job as as I've been checking recently, comparing to Google Translate or any other service. So it's actually translating on par with the actual human translation service. So this is just a great tool for you to use uh, anything creative, uh, uh, text creative, graphics creating. Video production is not there yet, it's coming, but we're talking about the using a basic templates as of right now, but it's coming. It's just taking more processing power, more uh, advancement on the um, large, large language models, uh, future updates. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I'm really excited about when we look at the language piece of things is how much that's going to open things up and help people connect better. I think that Google Translate's obviously done a lot and it's made it easier when I travel, but the ability to really get in there and work on it at scale and to include it in apps is just so exciting. The other thing that I'm really excited about when I look at this space is the opportunity. I see this being able to be infused in different things, right? We'll probably see it coming to Google Translate at some point. We'll see it included in chat apps to make it a little bit easier to talk to your friends across the globe or to make new friends. And that's what technology is all about, is using it to connect and create. And I'm just really excited about that. Right, exactly. Um, now, people have been using Generative AI for more than a year now. Um, and, um, you know, sometimes it's a kind of a mixed bag uh, in terms of what actually you're getting as a result. It is both true for ChatGPT and borrowed from Google. Um, and, um, I like to call this problem kind of, you know, Harry Potter style, you have to know the right spells, right? If you 
looking for a specific magic you have to know the right spell to get that magic so jenny what strategy would you suggest to create effective prompts to generative ai expel your amas if my wizarding skills were better that would have disarmed the generative ai art and it would execute all of your prompts perfectly but unfortunately i dropped out of hogwarts to focus on mobile apps so it might not work but in all seriousness the key here is experimentation try out different generative ai models you're not going to get the same thing from bard as you are from chat gpt and if you're still not getting what you want, you have to be more specific. A good example is if you're trying to do a promotion for in-game currency, you can say, hey, please write a promotion for in-game currency of gems for 20% off. And then you can say, hey, I actually want that, you know, holiday theme. Can you do something for the next upcoming holiday, and it will do that for you. You can get even more specific though and say things like, hey, I would really like it to be in Gen Z slang or millennial or boomer, whatever your target audience is, it will add in the slang and it'll make it resonate with that audience. So I think that's one of the things that you're gonna wanna do. But the main thing is after you're really specific, keep iterating. And this is the fun part. You can go back and forth with the AI and you can also feed in information. If you have a history of all of the promotions you've written, you can feed that into the AI and say, hey, do it like this. This is my format. This is my tone. Can you give me 10 more just like that, but for the holiday season? And it'll do that for you. And when you find something that you don't like with the generative AI, tell it, tell it exactly what you don't like, be very specific, and it can help out with that. One of the other things that I think is really interesting is partners out there that apps can work with. Um, my good friend, Paul Meinhausen, is doing some work over at AMP. And Paul's platform actually incorporates AI into your CRM flow. So they allow you to do this hyper-personalization at an individual level instead of focusing on personas. And it looks at the user's engagement with your app, and then it sends out copy that it's written with AI that you've approved, and it, the cadence changes as well. So if you have users who are logging in every day, they should be getting more messages, more promotions, more notifications. But if you have some casual users, maybe they shouldn't get as many. And it can help calculate when the message should be sent and what message to send, which is really cool. Yeah, exactly. As we speak, it you know it just comes to me that uh, next time you wake up in the morning, sit in front of your screen, sipping your coffee, and you don't feel like you're uh, any productive this day, uh, this is just typical uh, reaction of a human being on his rhythm. Uh, we're not machines. We cannot be productive five days, six days a week. Uh, sometimes we're really great in what we're doing. Sometimes we're really down. Luckily, that's not the case with ChatGPT. Uh, it's been productive no matter like what day of the week, what time of the day. Although people are kind of joking that lately, 
in December, people noticed that ChatGPT become a bit quote unquote lazy <laughs> in reaction. <laughs> but uh, even the you know, folks from OpenAI are not sure what's happening. They're obviously they're joking that ChatGPT just wants to be on a holiday break, just like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it remains to be proved. But um, it may mimic uh, I don't know kind of a seasonal thing for what is being written on specific time of the year. But it's just a spe speculation. We don't know. But <laughs> jokes aside, uh, for the most part, like uh, ChatGPT is your friend who who doesn't have a headache, who doesn't need more coffee to write a content. He's always friendly and ready to help you out. Absolutely. It has been so great to help solve that blank page problem. You know, when I'm waiting for the coffee to kick in and I know I have to write some stuff, it's like, wow, what am I getting? Okay, I have like the beginning of an idea and I can pass that over to ChatGPT and it can help me get started. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now let's uh, switch the gears a little bit. I'm asking this question to pretty much every guest on the show who has uh, a few more than a few years under her and his belt of work in the field. Uh, because by this time uh, we all get this um, something we would like to change in the field we're working and. In most cases, it's just um, out of reach. We're not in a position to influence. So looking at your years in marketing, what would you like to change about it the most? So it's been a really fun journey, Art. However, I wish there was more diversity across all teams in technology. And this applies to all levels in the organization. AI is a new frontier. And with that comes opportunity for more diversity. The AI gender gap is real, though. According to a study by Flex Jobs, use of AI in personal or professional life isn't the same across both genders. 54% of men are using AI, where only 35% of women are using AI. And so I'm actually doing some work to help change this. I recently co-founded an organization called Women and AI. It's focused on advancing the field of artificial intelligence by empowering and amplifying the voices of women in technology. We believe that diverse perspectives lead to more robust, inclusive, and innovative solutions. Our community is a hub for women in all stages of their AI journey, from students and early career professionals to seasoned experts and AI thought leaders. So head on over to womenandai.com or follow us on LinkedIn for more information. Um, but I'm really excited about the work that we're doing and shining the spotlight on women that are using and working with AI every day. I'll make sure to put the information to the, um, the what you're saying into the description of this episode so people can uh, follow the links and check it out themselves. Um, now. Finally, what takeaways do you have for our listeners? Just go out there and play with generative AI. It's the new frontier and it's fun. Remember, no matter what you're working on with generative AI, create, generate, automate, and measure. If you do those four things, you're going to find that you get a lot further 
from where you're at now. Yeah, that's a great framework to work with. Before I let you go, very, very final question, which is this, how can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do, Jenny? Well, I'm in all the usual places. For more mobile apps and AI updates, follow me on LinkedIn, Jenny K. Pollock, and definitely check out my website, uh, which is jennykpollock.com backslash app resources. I've got a free AI prompt engineering worksheet for app monetization. It'll help you save some time and boost your app revenue with AI support. And of course, don't forget to visit us over at Women in AI on LinkedIn or on our website. Thank you so much for having me, Art. This has been a pleasure as always. This is great. Thank you, Jenya. Thank you so much for coming on the show and spending time with us. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that was Jenny K. Pollock, mobile app expert. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays. So subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.